0: welcome to life at the ballpark on this episode you'll hear the story of an award-winning journalist who writes about the team he grew up rooting for and he writes even when there are no games to write about
1: we see the best of these athletes um, at times like this so i think you know finding ways to tell those stories is incredibly important also inspiring it's not necessarily about how many points they scored or what they've done on the court, but, but you know, these guys are, are helping people and, and, and really lifting up their communities, and that's exactly the kind of stories we should be writing.
0: Welcome to Life at the Ballpark, sharing stories from players, managers and coaches, writers and broadcasters about their lives around baseball, from the sandlots to the big league ballparks. Hi, I'm John Frost, and my guest today is Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com. Ben, thanks for sharing about your life at the ballpark.
1: Oh, thank you, John. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Um, I wish we were together at Roger Dean Stadium right now, but uh, this will uh, this makes me feel like this makes me feel like I'm there, and that's pretty good to feel right now too, considering it's been a while.
0: Ben Fredrickson is a sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, also STLtoday.com. He's a radio talk show host, he's a podcaster, and he's a knowledgeable baseball fan and a baseball writer. And so here we are, here we are at a very unique place in history. You are a sports writer, you're a sports columnist, you're a baseball columnist, and there is no baseball. So what in the world do you do?
1: (laughs) Good question. Um, yeah, let me know um, if you have any ideas. Um, <laughs> try to, trying to uh, trying to stay busy. Um, thankfully, you know, in an odd twist here, I, I do think I'm, I'm having the the best luck of my career in getting people to answer phone calls yeah. or interviews. Yeah, I think because a lot of people are just bored. Um, you know, sitting around with their phone, they know that <laughs> they've got no way to ignore you. So. Thankful to the people who are picking up uh, phone calls and trying to be creative. I mean, there's really, there's really no point now to not go after the idea or the, the angle that you feel like you never had enough time to write um, because you you do have the time. Um, you know, it's kind of like these uh, these household chores I've got a long list of that I always find reasons to put <laughs> off. And now, now you know, now that I'm home and you know you can only write for so many hours of the day, you've got more time to do that kind of stuff. So if the story version of painting the, uh, the bathroom or touching up the paint or getting that yard work done, it's mm-hmm. time to pull out those old ideas and, and get after them. But I think that it's a kind of a, a juggling act a little bit right now. You, you want to, in some ways, I think give sports fans something um, of a distraction, you know, whether it's uh, a story that, you know, they wouldn't have found if the hustle and bustle of games was going on or, Something kind of out of left field that maybe they didn't think about, or something you haven't had time to really sink your teeth into. But also, you know, mixing, you know, there's a lot of newsworthiness to this period. I mean, sports is navigating something that none of us have ever seen. Um, so there's there's news to that. What does baseball look like when it comes back, and what conversations do we need to be having about how this is going to affect, you know, the upcoming seasons and and how we use sports. So. I'm trying to do a little bit of both of of getting into the kind of the meat of how this pandemic is, is going to change sports as we know it, but also giving people something to maybe take their mind off the fact that they're not having games to watch a little bit too.
0: So you're really having to back up from your, game day reporting, the the balls and strikes and the innings and the wins and the losses, to really backing up to saying, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean to the sport? What does this mean to sociology? What does this mean to history? What is baseball's role in all of this?
1: Yeah, and all the big picture questions, right, that we should probably try to spend more time thinking about Mm -hmm. when there is hustle and bustle, but it's easy for anyone to get kind of caught up in the you know, the X's and the O's and, and now they're, they're gone. I think the things that have jumped out to me are, you know, really trying to find sports stories that resonate with life right now. For example, Aeneas Williams, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the great Rams defensive back, he's a pastor here in St. Louis. And, you know, I thought, man, all these, all these faith leaders across the nation are trying to figure out how to, you know, keep their flocks together when they can't physically be together. And I thought he'd be a great person to talk to. So was it a sports story to some degree, but not really. They just had a popular, you know, a popular guy who, brought, because of sports who was kind of the, the center of, of the article. I think there's an opportunity to do that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing too, is to try to, as you mentioned, kind of figure out what sports role in this is. There are great stories of, of athletes, of coaches, of of team presidents and leaders doing things for the community during this time that I think you can't give that kind of stuff enough Mm -hmm. coverage right now. Mm -hmm. Brad Beal and Jason Tatum teamed up to provide a bunch of meals for the local uh, food bank in St. Louis. I mean, guys who are doing things like that, I mean, we see the best of these athletes Mm -hmm. um, at times like this. So I think, you know, finding ways to tell those stories is incredibly important also inspiring it's not necessarily about how many points they scored or what they done on the court but but you know these guys are are helping people and, and and really lifting up their communities and that's exactly the kind of stories we should be writing
0: i saw christian Yellich's letter to the graduates of 2020 from his old high school in california now here he is the mvp and he's writing a letter to them about his hopes and wishes for them from his old high school. It's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about.
1: Totally, and and Christian is a you know I don't know him well, um, but he's shown some things over the course of his career that shows that he's a pretty thoughtful young man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, guy on the other end of of the spectrum of his career, Adam Wainwright making mm-hmm. a you know a sizable donation to Cardinals minor leaguers. Um, I stood there and listened to Adam on that last day of spring training, you know, before they, everybody hit the road. And he said, man, I, I worry about, you know, the guys who, who aren't where I am, the guys who haven't got a chance to make the money, the guys who haven't had Mm -hmm. a kind of career yet where they, if it ends tomorrow, they feel like they can be satisfied. Um, you know, this is going to affect a lot of guys who are, you know, just getting to that beginning of that point. And not only did he say it, he turned around and made a donation that proved that he was thinking of those guys. So, I mean, there are some, some pretty special leaders um, in the pro sports world. And we see see them show up at times like this. So it it doesn't have to be all guessing when sports comes back. It doesn't have to be, you know, just simply ruminating of what the season could look like. Although there's room for that too. I mean, people are curious. What does it look like? How is it going to change? What's possible? So I think, you know, in some ways it takes us out of our routine, but it also kind of opens up the opportunity to do, basically anything you want, um, whether you want to be the one who breaks the news about what some proposal to bring the game looks like, g- bring the game back what it looks like, or whether it's, you know, a chance to go and write a story about some guy who you've been wondering about for a long time and want to go catch up. with. Him. I mean, Rick Hummel every week is, is, is catching up with the former Cardinal that people are really grateful to hear from, you know, and, and Rick has those relationships. So I think it, it's forcing us in the sports media side to be more nimble. But uh, you know that's a good thing. Um, this, this pandemic is a terrible thing, an awful thing. but making us shake up our routines and think on our feet a little bit more, I think that is a good thing.
0: The last time you and I were together was the last time was the last spring training game. You, right. and, and you and I were both working the game and it was the game yep. where we knew even well you you, you, you you knew it more than I did. But even before the game began, there was this rumbling. I mean, the whole NBA thing had come down, the talk about March Madness. We've been talking, I can remember you, you and I standing in the press box together, and we heard from a scout for the Cubs who says this, the Cubs have sent all their scouts home. And so we're hearing about all this thing, and during the entire game, there's this sense of something's about to come down. It
1: was surreal um, to sit there and just, you know, have the game be the least important thing? I mean, there are days at spring training where the game is not all that important. You know, you're working on a story about a player. Or you're kind of the game is kind of going on, but but this was this was a day in that the game going on was the thing that was hard to believe <laughs> because mm-hmm. even the players thought, "What are we What are we doing here?" Mm-hmm. They were almost kind of dragging their feet to come out to the the field, and and you know, as soon as it was over, we knew that spring training was over. It was. I'll never forget it, just how odd it was. Um, Listening to Rick talk about it, he kind of compared it to that weird feeling that was the Daryl Kyle game, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like these guys were, the game's about to start and nobody's out there. Where is everybody? Mm -hmm. And that's what it felt like. Um, You know, there there were a series of kind of surreal moments like that leading up to the complete shutdown of spring training. Um, I remember, you know, the day that the clubhouses closed the media and, and kind of the, the rush to get a better understanding of what exactly we were dealing with at that time, all the way up to the day we left. I mean, we were planning on staying behind, you know, cause it sounded like at the beginning, the Cardinals were going to have more or less some unofficial team workouts that we're probably going to have quite a few guys there. And we thought, okay, this is the only sport really going. So we'll hang back and we'll continue to write. And then it was that Monday where we show up to maybe see what's what's shaking and all the guys are loading into their cars and we go, Oh, this is, this is different than what we expected. And, and then that was the day Rob Manfred showed up, you know, to the Cardinals complex at Roger Dean to really make the call with baseball leaders and say, Hey, we got to really pretty much shut this thing down. And that's the way it's been ever since.
0: I can remember leaving the ballpark that day and the the announcement, the official announcement came down about three o'clock. Yep. It was from the commissioner's office saying they weren't going to be, they're working, we're not going to have a games tomorrow, but I can remember, you know, for the next hour we're playing baseball and then we left the ballpark and we all knew that we weren't coming back tomorrow.
1: It was weird going home. Um, you know, I chose to drove home from spring training just cause I didn't really want to run the risk of being uh, snagged up in an airport somewhere. Um, but you know, I've never gotten through Atlanta that fast ever. And I used to be, I used to cover Tennessee. So I did a fair bit of driving through, through the, the Atlanta traffic, yeah. cruise through downtown Atlanta, um, you know, cruise through the Nashville area. I mean, no, no significant snags of any kind. It was, it was, it wasn't apocalyptic, but it was very odd. Um, so that, you know, one of those drives you, you won't forget anytime soon. And at that point I'm going, okay, you know, when are we going to be headed back down to, to Jupiter? When will we do this second camp? And here I am, you know, today, and, and it's everything you see looks like it's further and further back. I mean, April 13th, and there's no concrete plan on what baseball will look like this season. We're seeing some ideas, I think some more realistic than others, but uh, it's going to be really interesting where sports um, fits into this equation. Um, you know, clearly, I think we're talking about sports restarting without fans in attendance, which is going to be very interesting and very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, if you think about the amount of people that it takes to, you know, conduct one baseball game, let alone an entire seat, shortened season with 30 teams, um, you're talking about a pretty significant group of people. And I just wonder where on the priority list, this is going to rank when it comes back, when it comes down to trying to get our country up and going. I mean, we know firsthand that sports plays a very important role in, in our society's, you know, pastime, mental health, uh, distraction—it's these things matter. But uh, it also takes a lot of people to coordinate them and to get them up and running. And uh, you just wonder where in the discussion the sports world is going to fit because it's not used to taking a back seat in anything. Um, that has been the, I think, the most jarring thing for whether they're college football coaches who are having to face the reality that yeah, people are talking about maybe not having a fall college football season, mm-hmm. or these players—you know—they're very used to. You know, they're the priority and what they want goes for the most part and they go on rain, snow, sleep, you know, national disaster. I mean, we paused for nine 11, but we were back playing again pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And this has been something that has really, has really, you know, shaken the, the importance I think of, of sports. And it's going to be a conversation about how much importance do we have? Do we put on them? What is the priority on getting them back, getting them going even in a, uh, you know, a a, a cut down kind of, you know, only, only absolutely necessary amount of people involved fashion. It's it's really fascinating and we don't have anything to really base it on. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and you've, you've really been at the forefront, in my opinion, of, of the, of the comments that I can remember when I, the first thing that happened in spring training that I remember that was significant was the closing off of the clubhouses mm-hmm. where media couldn't come in, family couldn't come in or whatever. And I can remember there was a lot of outrage from media, and I don't mean this as a pejorative at all. About you know, this is part of our job. This is how we do it. And I can remember that you were one of the ones ones that came out and said, you know, this this is bigger than baseball. This is a bigger idea. We have to understand how baseball fits in the role of the the safety of our of our country.
1: Well, it took me a while to get there, <laughs> and and I it's funny because I it's kind of almost like a double conversation. Um, You know, we are taught for good reason that when, when access starts to decrease, we should fight as a journalist, right? I mean, we, for a lot of reasons, one, a big one being, you know, that's the best way to do the job. The more access, the better job you can do. Um, You know, the more conversations you can have, the more professional relationships you can build with a player, with a manager, you can get, you can, can get information, whether it's a quote or just an understanding, mm-hmm. that that is so much better than sitting, you know, behind someone at a press conference interview. So our natural instinct is to say, "Don't take that away. Um, that's not right." Um, but the, the thing that really, and you know, as I tried to get an understanding of, and I won't pretend to be an expert on coronavirus, but as I tried to build my understanding of it on <laughs> on a warp speed there what i didn't what i had a hard time correlating was how blocking the media from the clubhouse was going to be something that helped in a major way yeah. um and and the the thing that was not explained was how was this actually going to help anybody not get coronavirus. And we saw at that soon after that, you know, with Rudy Gobert in Utah that it didn't matter whether you're a journalist Mm -hmm. or an athlete or it doesn't matter. I mean it can this thing doesn't care whether you're rich or poor or or whatever. Now the the side effects of course and the damages can be worse depending on a lot of things. Um, but that this notion that keeping ten at that point it was down to about ten reporters tops out of the clubhouse, it didn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. That being said I did I did think it was important to say hey we can't ignore the severity of this problem and if that somehow helps then we will we will you know we'll play by the rules but hopefully they, this goes back to normal as soon as possible but I did also raise the question and I'm glad I did then was if this needs to happen like this and we need to have a conversation about if these games should be played at all. Mm-hmm. And I think someone interpreted that as, well, you're just being bitter because they won't wait in the clubhouse. And it really wasn't. It was about if the crowds are the problem, mm-hmm. then then the games are going to be a problem mm-hmm. until you, you know, take all the crowds out of them. And even if you do, then you still have a pretty big crowd to, to, in order to have a a major league baseball game and pretty soon after that the conversation and not that i influenced the conversation there because other people were having the same conversation but it moved to that way pretty quick when we the crowds and the gatherings of people in place were the issue i mean we played that last spring training game you know hours after the florida governor said hey no more groups above I think at that time it was like 250 people, Yeah. Um, you know, and we had thousands of people at Grapefruit League games across mm-hmm. the the state. So that was kind of one of the reasons I was like, how is this happening?
0: And many of them older people.
1: Sure. And they didn't, that was the last day it happened. Yeah. So it, and, and some of the evening games didn't happen. So at that point it was like, okay, this isn't about whether or not I'm talking to Jack Flaherty at his locker or from behind a, you know, a six foot pole. This is about, the fact that we've got a ton of people gathering in a place where we're learning more and more every day that this isn't this isn't a good way to do this, and I think that's the that's the thing that's really jarring here as we try to start thinking about these ways to get sports back. We don't have any answers to like a couple critical questions, and one is how do we stop this thing? You know, we don't have a vaccine, we don't have a, a really a, a, an approved you know consensus. A group of experts signing off on a therapeutic treatment, um, on a therapeutic treatment for this. And the other thing is, we don't have a good answer for what happens if we come up with a plan and the plan is punctured by a positive test mm-hmm. by a player. Yeah. Because if two week quarantine for the infected person and anyone that person has come in contact with, um, then that is <laughs> then that's going to shut down things pretty fast. Um, unless you just put guys in a silo and they're going to have to willingly go into a silo. We're going to have to not, they're going to have to not see their families. They're going to have to, to not be around people who have contact with the quote unquote outside world, you know, outside of the bubble. And that's going to take some, some players signing off on that. I think that would be hard for some of these guys to do. So, I think we've all had to get smarter on the fly about what this thing really means and and what it, what we know and what we don't know about it. So that was the challenge for me as someone who, you know, I cover sports. I won't pretend to be the smartest guy in the room. And, uh, and I had to try to go, okay, what are we actually talking about here with this, with this virus, as much as I can, I'm not going to go give a Dr. Fauci press conference, but I need to be able to write about it in a way that I understand the, the, the scenario here. So luckily for me, I can pick up my phone and call my dad who's a doctor and he can tell me, Hey, don't write that. You'll sound like an idiot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there, there was some of that going on too. I just said, Hey, can you under, can you explain this to me? You know, as someone who is not familiar with it, you know, my dad's been a family medicine physician for, 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 you know, my entire life. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, you know, here's what I know about it. Here's what I'm reading about it. And, uh, and it made me kind of go, okay, um I don't know where this is going, but I, I know that it's it's way bigger than whether or not we're talking to guys at their at their locker or, or out, you know, somewhere on a patio with a significant amount of space between us.
0: Coming up, Ben Frederickson of the St. Louis Post Dispatch digs into what do we do? What do we write about? When the answer to almost every question is I don't know.
1: It used to be that when you hear when you heard that you thought someone either did know and didn't want to tell you. Or they were lying to you, but now it's the, really the truth. They, how can we know what a, you can't, one, you can't know what the season looks like until you know when it starts, and then you can't know when it starts until you have a good idea about, you know, well, when can it end? How late can it be pushed?
0: You're listening to this podcast because you have an interest in baseball. If you own a business, what do you think people who call you have an interest in? <laughs> yeah, your business. So you need a message on hold now. Tell your callers about your products and services, locations and hours, special offers and more with a message on hold now. We've been providing telephone on hold messages since 1992, and we can do one for you. Get your custom message on hold now at messageonholdnow.com. messageonholdnow.com. holdnow.com. And now back to my conversation with Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends. What, what is the conversation that's going on? I, I would think that underlying it is everyone wants to go play ball again. How do we go play ball again?
1: Yeah, and that's the conversation everyone's having, whether it's me or you or, you know, they're having the same conversations in the Cardinals front office um i mean the the thing i hear a lot and it's the question that the answer that everyone's tired of hearing is you know we don't know and it's like man you just wish that that phrase was was shot into the sun because everyone's tired of hearing it it used to be that when you hear when you heard that you thought someone either did know and didn't Mm -hmm. want to tell you or they were lying to you but now it's really the truth they how can we know what a, you can't, you can't know what the season looks like until you know when it starts. And then you can't know when it starts until you have a good idea about, you know, well, when can it end? How late can it be pushed? Um, What will the players agree to? How much, how much of their freedom are they willing to give up? And also is it, is the entire thing pointless until there is some sort of a treatment or cure? Um, The other huge thing here that is kind of the elephant in the room is you know, the, the fact that someone can be contagious for coronavirus before they show any symptoms. And you can actually be contagious before you have a fever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a really hard thing to do. You say, well, we'll scan every player going to and from the ballpark. That's great. And that's a good way of, you know, catching it as soon as possible. But the problem is that guy can be contagious the day before he pops a fever. So when you're talking about getting however many guys you need to have to have a skeleton baseball team at the major level together, then you don't have to play it out in your head too long before you go, okay, someone's going to get sick. Someone's going to get it and give it to someone else before we even know what's going on here. So really the only thing to do as we have this kind of thought experiment is to kind of drop a bubble around the people that are essential. And they have to agree not to not to break out of the bubble because one guy does it, then he could risk, risk it all. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing these teams in, in different countries try to do. Um, you know, we're seeing that in some of the the baseball leagues in Asia, where they have very strict kind of quarantine rules and they're tested very often. And you know, if some play, if a player shows signs, he's immediately you know sent home and until they're sure that he doesn't have it. But the difference there is also the way the countries have handled this. I mean, you know, whether it's you disagree with it or agree with it, um, that's not for me to say. But we, have the United States, has had up until more recently a pretty Um, relaxed stance towards some of these things. I mean, in certain countries, if you have a fever, they take you to a prison, not a prison, but a hospital that might as well be a prison. And, and, and you're given, you know, tests until they find out if you have something or not, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not, we're not going to probably do that in the U S we just don't do things like that. So Mm -hmm. the rules that work other places might not work here, which is even more critical for guys to be on board with kind of this bubble type mentality. And I think if you're talking to, to hockey players about, you know, an expedited postseason, they might be more willing to sign up for that than certain baseball players I'm talking about a whole season. Now, some guys will do it, whatever they want. I mean, they want to get paid. That's a huge part of this too. You get, you get paid if you play games. So, you know, there's going to be many who say, "Whatever we have to do." There's also going to be some guys who, you know, are fathers and 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 husbands, and, and they say, "Look, I don't want to sign up for a season in a." in a quarantine hotel where I can't see my kids. Sure. Um, you know, so that, that, where does that line fall? And, and also too, the same conversation is changing by the day because every day we know a little bit more, we have better testing. Um, we have faster results. So I do think this will evolve. The, the thing to me, the question that, that everyone wants to know that no one is answering is what is the date where if you're not playing baseball, you can't play it this season mm-hmm. and the other thing would be what is the date where you have to commit to playing some sort of a drastically altered season you know where you maybe you do grapefruit league versus cactus league and what is the date you have to commit to that see it through as opposed to hope that it's something you can start and then ship back to normal uh, i think those are huge questions that that we don't have the answers to yet
0: we'll continue next week with part two of my conversation with ben frederickson of the st louis post-dispatch Thanks, Ben, for sharing about your life at the ballpark.
1: Well, thanks, John, and thanks for caring.
0: Listen each week for a new episode. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends.